is indeed marvelous. An irony-free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts. Where everybody, regardless of race, creed, color, or degree of inebriation, is welcomed. Its warm yellow glow, a beacon of hope and salvation, inviting the hungry, the lost, the seriously hammered all across the South to come inside. A place of safety and nourishment. It never closes. It is always, always faithful, always there for you. everybody that was a lot for me <laughs> what was a lot for you the fact that we're on a podcast and sometimes we have theme music well i when when that clip started playing i didn't know that it was related to waffle house really even though oh man that so for context hi this is most important meal we are joined by uh, dan Wersch of uh, nerd.is and he is uh, a waffle house aficionado hi dan hi there how else would people know you dan how would they know me? Uh, well, you were both kind enough to join me on my uh, on my podcast, uh, Random Surling, not too long ago, where we talk about random episodes of The Twilight Zone and Night Gallery. You say kind enough as if it wasn't a joy to be there already. I was honestly like, why, why does he want to talk to me? All I do is cry all the time. <laughs> well, uh, I, I find it kind anytime somebody uh, uh, is, is willing to join me. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm always I'm always I'm always appreciative. I wonder if that's how Waffle House feels. <laughs> uh, Dan made us a wonderful YouTube playlist full of Waffle House videos, and so I went through and found uh, my favorites for us to discuss. Uh, and one of them was that Anthony Bourdain clip where Anthony freaking Bourdain went to a Waffle House and had a religious experience. <laughs> I couldn't actually make it through the playlist because I had a super busy day at work, um, but I had it playing in the background, and there was um, a certain song that I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit later. <laughs> Um, that really like took me aback and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, Brian, why don't you tell everyone why we're talking about Waffle House? You and I, Allison Truge, took a wonderful, wonderful week-long vacation to Florida uh, with your family, who are absolutely wonderful, and we got to spend a lot of time together. Uh, we went on a nice road trip from Fort Lauderdale to the Keys, uh, which is about three or four hours, and on the way, we stopped at the southernmost Waffle House in the United States. And it was my very first time at this delightful, delightful establishment. And I have so many things to say. Well, and given, I, w- I want to make one immediate correction. That, like, since Waffle House is only in the United States, we were at the southernmost Waffle House in the world. In the world? In the world. I mean, the universe, technically. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, the whole universe. You're so right. Oh, God. But what if we're just like a, a galaxy on the fingertip of a giant? A giant waffle? A giant waffle inside a waffle house that's even more giant. My entire house is just like one of those little squares that like is on a waffle that holds syrup. <laughs> yes, one of the good, good syrup uh, waffle holes. But you never want to get syrup knuckle. <laughs> <sighs> the phenomenon I still don't quite understand. Dan, have you ever uh, have you ever experienced syrup knuckle? Have you heard that episode with Micah Sargent? I absolutely heard that episode. I think I listened to it while I was eating breakfast one weekend, and I totally understand what you all are, you all are talking about. Thank you. There was an unfortunate uh, 
classmate of mine in elementary school who must have suffered from that condition frequently because I won't I won't say his name here and I won't shame him further than we terrible elementary school kids did at the time uh, but he was known for smelling like syrup uh, when he arrived at school and uh, at one point uh, an, an entrepreneurial young young kid not me uh, <laughs> sure made uh, sure. <laughs> I was not as inventive as this kid was at the time. We had a uh, like a project where you had to invent a product and bring it. And we had like kind of a commerce situation with fake money in the school. And this kid made little wooden dolls. They looked like paper dolls, but they were made out of like balsa wood. And he painted them with syrup and sold them as dolls of this other kid in the class. Oh, my God. That's so mean. It was terribly cruel, but he sold out almost instantly. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like smelling like syrup sounds excellent. That sounds like incredible. Yes. Well, uh, if uh, if Larry Don is listening, I, for one, <laughs> have uh, I, my, my condolences for the terrible part I played in the bullying he received as a uh, as an elementary schooler in Kansas. Oh, God. The only thing worse than little kids being terrible is when other little kids are also terrible along with them. and They, like, play along. This is a really interesting thing that happened to me at work. Um, we've started doing a bunch of volunteer opportunities. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I work at a literary journal. And so we've started like doing more um, like volunteer opportunities with like uh, with organizations like 826 Boston, which like uh, helps like foster literacy in like elementary kids. And it's super duper duper cool. And we went there to do one of these workshops with like and like a class of fifth graders and like it was it was real like watching the social hierarchy like unfold in front of me made me feel a kind of way i was just like but what if like but what if the clearly like popular boy in the class doesn't think i'm cool then i'm nobody we have a friend that uh, still posts on Facebook and Twitter about, like, like they're, you know, in their early 20s, as are we, and uh, they keep tweeting about the fact that they still feel threatened around uh, groups of teenage girls that are very clearly in high school and are very clearly much, much, much younger than us. And that social hierarchy and that social pressure of little kids is still very strong. That is exactly how I feel. But also, so this is incredibly related. Um... Dan, what did you have for breakfast? I I thought about this this morning and thought, well, I should really I should really make something, you know, that would be worth talking about. But instead, like most work days, I was in a rush, so I had a glass of orange juice, low acid because I am an aging uh, man with uh, acid <laughs> reflux problems. Oh man! And I love my orange juice, but it's got to be the low acid orange juice. Um, and a, uh, I was on the run, so I grabbed the uh, Odwalla strawberry protein uh, drink out of the fridge. Oh, those are so good! Drank it in the car on my way to work. It was uh, it was delightful. It's my favorite flavor. That's so good. As if that's not worth talking about, Dan. Come on, any breakfast is worth talking about. And we've we've done extensive like episodes about breakfast routines. The routine is the important part more than the food you're eating. Well, what I wanted to do today in honor of this conversation, I really wanted to go to Waffle House. <laughs> oh, to be as lucky as you to have a local Waffle House. <laughs> we would have had to like go to a like Denny's or something up here. Mhm. I could literally 
drive from in any direction from my house and hit a in, in hit a Waffle House within 20 minutes. <laughs> Waffle Houses in the South are like Dunkin' Donuts in New England. Mm, I'm so jealous. It's true. They're yeah. They're they're not quite sometimes across the street from each other like Dunkin' is, but uh, but pretty darn close. No, no, no. Across the street from each other would be a Starbucks and a Dunkin'. Like where I went to college, that was what it was like. It was like there was a Starbucks across the street and a Dunkin' in two separate places, both of them two minute <laughs> walks from my college. I was once in Rhode Island and uh, there was a there were Dunkins literally on opposite sides of the street, and it was uh, b- because traffic was high enough that that way you never had to make a left turn to get uh, in and out of the Dunkin'. And they also had the coffee milk kid. <laughs> That's right, coffee milk. Something I still haven't tried. One day, Brian. One day. What did you have for breakfast? Uh, I had uh, honey bunches of oats with almonds because that is my household's preferred honey bunches of oatsness with the... Uh, That's grandpa cereal. Oh, God, no. Don't you get me started on the crap <laughs> I got from people at XOXO about loving that cereal. I don't No, I love honey bunches of oats. And I was thinking about that because I actually heard that episode today where we were talking about this. Uh, I re-listened to our episodes because I'm an egomaniac. And I, I was thinking about it and I was like, but Brian, you're also one of the youngest people of all of your friends at XOXO. So, like, what exactly. does it say about them that you're a grandpa for the cereal you like? Who knows? Uh, I, as I was eating the cereal, I was re-listening to one Allison Truge's uh, episode of one random Serling with one Dan Wersch. And oh my god, the ending conversation about soggy cereal as you're eating cereal, as somebody that cannot stand anything less than the crunchiest cereal is... That was a rough listen, but... Right now, on the corner of my desk, is a bowl of cereal that has been sitting for five minutes already, and I'm going to let it sit until the end of this podcast. Follow up. You two are absolutely ridiculous, and you two deserve each other, you freaking soft cereal people. Eating that cereal while listening to you two talk about soggy cereal was an experience. That was probably a little much for you. Did you keep eating it faster and faster? trying trying to race it uh, so it, it wouldn't become soggy as you were as you were listening faster and faster don't become that cereal you beautiful flakes of almond like it, it was bad although to be fair i did the thing i don't usually do um so i ate my first bowl of honey bunches of oats right and it was nice and crunchy and there was milk in it but like you know i, I ate it fast enough that it never got actually soggy honey bunches of oats uh for those that don't know is a cereal that flakes almost like frosted flakes um there's all these little bits of things and little bits of granola and little bits of like uh grain flake that make up the cereal and by the time that first bowl was finished i had lots of those little things still in the milk I took another five minutes or so because my uh, my kettle finally finished boiling and I was all prepped to make a big thing of Chemex. So I made a nice big Chemex and I drank uh, some nice coffee as I was eating my second bowl of cereal. But uh, the little bits of cereal left over from the first bowl gave me my first real experience of soggy cereal. And you know what? It was terrible. I'm not going to, like, there's no turns out here. It was just not good. (laughs) But thankfully, there wasn't much. You know what, though, honey? You know what? I'm proud of you for trying. Oh, thanks. Remember when we were in Florida and I tried uh, mayo with, uh, with fries and you were very proud of me? I couldn't tell you how proud of you I was. I was like, oh, I've got a brand new boyfriend right here. Mayo eating boyfriend. Is it really that much of an upgrade? Is it really like a Series 2 over Series 0 upgrade? Or was it just like a a 10.5 to 9.7 iPad Pro upgrade? You know, Brian, I know we've been together for almost three years, but that was the moment where I was like, yeah, I think I can really be serious with this person. Really? Really? That was the moment? (laughs) 
Dan, where do you stand on mayo? Well, she was always looking for, you know, just uh, just a little more hint of a, kind of a European uh, continental <laughs> in you, Brian. And, and when you sampled that mayonnaise <laughs> on your French fries, she thought, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. My whole life. Yes, I'm the most adventurous. I love mayonnaise on my, uh, I love mayonnaise in, in, on many things, and and I do dip my uh, French fries in mayonnaise. You've got great taste, Dan. Thanks to a McChicken <laughs> sandwich uh, accident in the 90s. You've got great taste, not only soggy cereal, but also mayo. Uh, on the Allison Truge breakfast front, um, today I also wanted to like have something special, because I was like, oh, I'm recording a podcast about breakfast later, uh, but I had a Soylent, so... Just now, before this podcast, before I poured myself some cereal, um, I looked in my fridge, which there's basically no food in, as usual, and I made a grilled cheese, and then I fried an egg, and I put the egg on top of the grilled cheese, as well as a um, honey Dijon butter-like sauce on top, and a little like shake a hot sauce, and uh, that was pretty great. That's going to make its way into my breakfast rotation. Ooh, that sounds really good. That does sound good. It was V-tasty. More breakfast need hot sauce involved. Yeah, for sure. But like, I don't know. I I wish that I could have gone to a Waffle House or a Denny's because I one, one thing that I really want to discuss in this podcast is the ways in which those two establishments particularly are different. Um, and I believe they're different depending on what region you're in. Um, the thing that I learned when I was looking up... Um, how southern the waffle house we went to was um was that the waffle house that i went to uh near where i used to live in bethlehem pennsylvania is also one of the northernmost waffle houses in the country um there are a bunch of ones in chicago that are like clearly more north but it is one of like the northernmost so that's an interesting one and i feel like they're different experiences each especially the fact that they're chains uh, makes the fact that they I'm sure there's like corporate pressure to be as homogenous as possible and make sure that yeah you can go into any McDonald's and get the exact same Big Mac uh, anywhere in the world but for Waffle House that's so distinctly southern and so distinctly you know special in the way that local people love their Waffle Houses uh, I, I I think it's amazing that you can have things in Pennsylvania and as far south as you can go which I, I'd argue Florida isn't really the south quote-unquote no but it's not it's it sure isn't i wanted to make that distinction as well it was geographically the southernmost but florida isn't the south florida's its own thing exactly yeah i think the uh the the magic of waffle house is is that uh it truly brings us all together as americans we can all love <laughs> greasy food that is horrible for you and from a nutritional standpoint uh regardless of what part of the country we're from that's why it's a shame that they're not uh, further west and and further north uh, than they are. Well, and like I, being a part of like the slam poetry community, like just across the country, um, I have well one of one of my friends and favorite poets alive right now. His name is Hanif Willis Abdurraqib, and he has like a Waffle House thing because he's from Ohio. Um, and he like writes poems about Waffle House and like John Sands also has a poem about Waffle House like there it, it runs deep it's more than just like the way that people write about a Denny's you know it's like a different sort of establishment that you go to like get I would actually argue not as much like variety as you would at a Denny's but like 
that's not what you're going there for. Although, like, I, I always argue that, like, brunch is about variety. Um, it's like, it's got all of the things that you, like, could possibly want without any, without any, like, frills. Um, unless you get into, like, cover, covered, smothered, something, erd. <laughs> those, those different adjectives that you can do for all of the different Waffle House breakfasts. I would say that a big difference between, uh, you, you want to talk about Denny's and Waffle House specifically, is that uh, Waffle House, I mean, the, the hash browns are kind of the, uh, the example of everything is kind of a variation on the theme. They've got a, they've got a, it's a small location. They've got a set number of ingredients and they're making basically everything you can possibly make with that set of ingredients versus a Denny's or frankly an IHOP or so many other places where they're trying to be all things to all people. They've got a much, they've got a full uh, commercial kitchen in the back. Uh, you, you, you can't see what they're just grabbing out of the freezer versus uh, actually making from scratch. And, I think, you know, you look at Waffle House where you can only get a waffle versus all those other places where you can get waffles or pancakes or French toast or you name it. Yes, absolutely. Denny's also falls victim to what I call the Panera syndrome, which is trying to be too fancy for what they actually are and just trying to kid themselves into thinking, oh, yes, we can serve steaks and we can serve fancy frittatas and we can serve all these different things. You go there for pancakes and fried eggs at three in the morning. And Waffle House has been so genuine over the years that, you know, they they don't have that. They are so unapologetically Waffle House. I feel like yet to to, uh, yet again bring more slam poetry into this conversation the one thing i will say about denny's that i that tickles me every time i'm there is that every time i go to like a national slam um there always inevitably is a denny's within walking distance of the host hotel and so at almost every (laughs) national event i've gone to we've all gone to denny's and at the denny's at all of those places there is a beautiful concoction called the grand slam witch and when you're there for a poetry slam, like, that's what you order. You order the Grand Slam, which... And that is when Denny's becomes church. As if it's not already church all the time. For sure. Yeah, I feel like there's... Uh, it's almost like seeing um, Bob's Big Boy on 95 at any time you go on a long road trip. It's like Denny's always needs to be by hotels in large cities on long highways. Like, the places where you need food stat at any hour of the night. Any moment of any day, you've got a Denny's or a Waffle House. Dan, do you have any good Waffle House memories? I only have one, and I want to talk about your many Waffle House memories. I got to tell you, I've, I've, I've forgotten more trips to Waffle House than you've taken, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, That's fantastic. The town in... Uh, it was not my first Waffle House experience, I don't think. I think we, we did have them... Uh, before we moved to Arkansas when I was in uh, junior high, but that was my formative years and, uh, you know, developing my palate and, uh, and all that. And, and, uh, when I was in primarily in high school, uh, the group of guys that I hung out with the last couple of years of high school and into college, all there in Northwest Arkansas, we, uh, uh, we were pretty boring people. We didn't go party. We didn't do a lot of things. We would do things like go to somebody's house and play risk all night long. That sounds like my high school experience. Yeah, me too. What we, yep. What we would frequently, frequently do at some point in those all nighters is take a break and go to waffle house. And so it was definitely a regular thing where we would go at, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the morning and, uh, and go to the local waffle house. 
in fact, I spent so many late nights and early mornings at the uh, Waffle House in uh, in Rogers, Arkansas. Uh, it may technically be Bentonville if you're uh, if you're a stickler. It's right on the border of the two towns, but uh, Rogers is my hometown, so that's the one. That's the what I call it. Um, when I took my uh, my wife to kind of show her the sights of my uh, hometown for the first time early on uh, when we were dating. Uh, it culminated in a trip to that very Waffle House. That's so romantic! Oh my god! So, so yeah, I've I've, I've shared many many meals and uh, have developed very specific preferences for what kind of Waffle House I like to go to, where in the Waffle House I like to sit, uh, all these kinds of things. Ooh, I want to hear that preference, and I also want to hear if you have a specific order that you order every single time, because I know because I don't order sweet breakfasts like basically ever i always get the like sausage bowl sort of situation like with all of the hash browns in it that's always my go-to well i will say that uh one of the things not to you know wax too philosophical but uh one of the reasons that i think it's it's uh, it's wonderful to have a partner in life is because you can find someone with similar enough taste to yourself that you can try more things when you go places. Oh, that's really sweet. That is so sweet. <laughs> so so my lovely bride and I uh, have been together for a very long time now. Uh, I guess we've been uh, been together. We started dating in late 99. So we're we are coming up on uh, 18 years of, of relationship. And so over that time, we've learned a lot about what each other likes and doesn't like. And the thing that we have developed at Waffle House is a very specific order. Um, I always order the same thing. I order the bacon Texas cheesesteak milk plate yes. with my with my hash browns. Uh, always scattered, always covered, sometimes smothered and chunked. It depends on my uh, my feeling. And as I recommended to the two of you, often topped with chili when I'm uh, when I'm feeling uh, like I've taken an acid reducer pill and I'm not going to be up all night. <laughs> We're gonna need to discuss all of those all of those adjectives, but or adverbs? Yeah, they're adverbs. I got a degree in English. Um, so, so uh, what does your wife get? She gets the all star special, which is the very breakfasty combo. So, you know, what I realized, you know, not right away, but I realized many years in that I always told everybody how Waffle House was my favorite and what a, what a great breakfast it was. And I go there and I order something that. Uh, most people would not categorize as breakfast. I'm, I'm ordering essentially a uh, a cheesesteak, <laughs> and uh, but I get the hash browns with it. And frequently, I will get an order of cheese grits. Uh, sometimes, if I'm feeling adventurous, I will get a, uh, a sausage egg and cheese grits because they will do that. It's not always on the menu, but uh, they'll always do it. Anything they can throw together that's that's on hand, they'll they'll pretty much do for you. My wife gets the all star special, so she gets her eggs however she wants them. Um, gets a you know uh, bacon, and the most important part of that for me is that she gets a waffle, and that means I don't have to order a waffle. And there's always some of her waffle left for me to eat. And I think that's what love is. <laughs> love is sharing a waffle, <laughs> uh, especially when it's a delicious waffle. Uh, you know. You, you must love the other person in order to part with any of it. And now that our daughters come along, I've got a little competition uh, for the, the, the leftover waffle bits uh, also. She's, uh, she's almost six, and, uh, and we started introducing her to Waffle House uh, at just a couple months of age because we have a family tradition where we 
uh, eat a uh, a Christmas Day meal at Waffle House. <gasps> that is the best tradition I have ever heard in my life. I love it. Oh my god, that's incredible! It was a Christmas Eve tradition for many years with my my wife and I. Uh, we would go late at night on Christmas Eve. And once uh, once the little one came along, it became more practical to make that a Christmas Day tradition. Oh, my God. But what is what does your daughter order? Because, like, I know when I was six, I was not into breakfast foods. Like, I didn't really like eggs. I didn't really like any of that stuff. Me neither. She's a pretty big uh, scrambled egg eater. She likes uh, she actually likes grits. So, uh, so, so I introduced her to those early enough on that she doesn't think that they're weird or anything else. And, and if, and if I get them to put some cheese and sausage in there, then she's all about it. I mean, Brian just tried grits for the first time at the Waffle House when we went. Exactly. I, uh, when I sat down at the Waffle House, I got the all-star special because I knew I needed to try as much as possible. Uh, Trude, you tweeted earlier today, oh yeah, I got the sausage bowl. Brian got everything. <laughs> so I, uh... <laughs> I got the the all-star special with, I believe, bacon. Yeah, I got bacon. And then uh, I added, I, I, it had to have been, let me look to the lingo cap top diced, um, uh, chunked. I added uh, chunked hash browns to it because I knew I had to try the hash browns. A lot of people told me the Waffle House waffle is okay, but the hash browns are where it's at. And I liked the waffle. I feel like you know, it's, again, not the greatest waffle ever, but it is the Waffle House waffle. That is what you get. That is a thing you do. Love is sharing a waffle. You make sure that there's a waffle on the table for you and your loved one to share. But those hash browns were heavenly. I don't know how they got the texture so... Like juicy, but also crispy. Like they they hit the nail right on the head. And then the fact that you get your hash browns, however the hell you want, is magical, magical. I really want to try all the way one time, but I didn't want to go too overwhelming. Uh, my very very first trip, although capped, looked amazing. But I'm not going to bring uh, mushrooms onto our table, Truge. <laughs> Thank you, because you know better. Because I love you. I really hate mushrooms. Um, so wait, can we can we talk about these adverbs? What what do they mean? Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you so you've got uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but I'll try to do my best from memory. So <clears throat> you've got scattered, which is simply means that the hash browns themselves are scattered on the grill, because you can also order them in the ring if you do not want them scattered on the grill. Oh, I was wondering what that meant. If you want the perfect little circle on your plate which is often pictured on the menu, uh, that's, you don't order them scattered if you want that. Okay. Can you get them in the ring with a filling or is that only if it's scattered? No, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll top them with whatever, uh, whatever you want, whether you get them scattered or, uh, or in the ring. It's truly, you know, they're, they're there to serve you as the customer. It's whatever you like. Every customer service option is available. That's right. So the, uh, so covered is covered with cheese. Which is, of course, American cheese. You know, this isn't, you know, to your point earlier, Brian, this isn't Panera. This is not, you know, there's not 17 <laughs> kinds of cheese on the menu. There's Gouda. They've got like Gouda and they've got aged cheddar. Asiago. Yeah, you can get some Gruyere. No, uh, you know, American <laughs> cheese. Um, chunked, to Brian's uh, you know, point earlier, that's uh, chunks of ham, diced ham. Uh, capped as mushrooms, smothered is smothered with onions. So that's, uh, you know, white onions. That's always the one I never like figure out what that means. Cause I feel like all of the rest of them make sense. I don't, I'm not sure why smothered would mean onions. 
but I guess I'm not here to critique. I think that was one of the earliest additions. And so that's, they were just literally describing that's how many onions we're going to put on it. We are going to smother it with onions <laughs> and they are not kidding around. There are a lot of onions <laughs> on it. Uh, in fact, uh, when I, even though I order mine always with the onions, I oftentimes only eat about half the onions they put on it. That's incredible. Um, peppered. So, uh, that, that's, a uh, uh, jalapenos. Um, okay. and then, uh, topped, which I mentioned, that's, uh, that's a ladle full of Burt's chili. That's, that's a lot. Which is good enough to leave your boyfriend for. Yes. Okay. So this oh is. Oh my God. We need to talk about that. This is the song that Dan found. Dan, how did you find this? So I'll be real honest. I was, uh, I, I eat lunch at my desk frequently at work, which is, I do not advise people to do that. Um, uh, but, uh, I, what I've found is if I pack my lunch from home, I save money, I I eat better, and it gives me extra time where I'm not driving or leaving the office to do things like look up uh, YouTube videos about Waffle House. And so that's what that's what <laughs> oh, I did today God. while I ate my salad that I packed from home. <laughs> time well spent. So yeah, the whole play the whole playlist that I sent you to um, is uh, is all stuff that I found during my uh, my lunch break today. <laughs> I love that so much. And that was an official Waffle House missive, right? Like that was produced by the Waffle House people, I think. Yeah, they have a there's a whole series of Waffle House centric uh songs that uh back in the day were on 45s in a traditional jukebox. And uh, these days most Waffle Houses have uh, uh some kind of digital alternative. But yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of Waffle House songs. You guys didn't play any while you were there? No, we didn't. I, we were too busy getting lost in each other's eyes. You got to leave something on the table for a future visit. You know, you don't want to do it all the first time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anything, any place you go uh, where there's that much to do, you you can't try to do it all at once. <laughs> exactly. Truge, can we record like a new Pac-Man fever for Waffle House where we just cover a bunch of songs and write our own like sweet love songs about scattered uh, hash browns? I want my love scattered and capped. <laughs> you don't want it capped. You don't want mushrooms. I don't, but I feel like that sounds interesting. Don't put a cap on your love. It should be limitless. No caps. That's true. Aww. Oh, that's true. Oh. Dan, I have the menu open in front of me. You missed only two hash brown combinations. Can you name them all? Let's see. Um, uh, I talked about uh, peppered. I know that uh, getting them scattered all the way is when you get everything. Uh, I did not mention country, which is a relatively recent addition. That's where they put uh, sausage gravy over top of it. That. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. What am I missing? This is unfortunate. It's obviously something that I personally don't order. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you for not ordering it. Is it truged? <laughs> it's when they put me on top of your table. Except I, I, I want that. I want truge on top of my table. I want truge hash browns. There's a supply and demand issue with that, though, because you can only be so many places. That's true. Yeah. I mean, but there's two of me. My twin sister also goes by Truge with her friends. You got two locations covered. Just 1,798 to go. <laughs> Diced what? is grilled tomatoes thrown yes. into your hash browns, which I wouldn't blame you for ordering because that sounds a little bizarre. Yeah, that's terrible. I would never do that. When you add tomatoes to things, it's just like, hey, can I get uh, a half a cup of water to pour on top of this? <gasps> oh, no, Dan. I love tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we found anti-Brian Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I look exactly like Brian, but with a goatee. You, you look like me, but better. Oh, what? Now we have to talk about Brian's self-esteem problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Brian, uh, Brian, breakfast, breakfast, I breakfast. To, 
I want to take your love and and get it scattered and covered. That's what I want my love to be for you. Scattered and covered is my favorite Simon and Garfunkel album. You know, there is actually a Hootie and the Blowfish album called Sex Scattered, Smothered and Covered. Oh my God, oh my God seriously? seriously? Yes. Oh man, that's that's next on my listen list. Smothered, Covered, Soldier, Spy. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you too about Grits because boy howdy if I had a Grits adventure over the course of uh, this trip to Florida. So explain your adventure. So I I think I had grits once when I was like five or six, and I don't remember them very much. I remember not liking the texture, because as is very well documented on the show, I was a uh, texturally challenged little kid. I didn't enjoy uh, most textured things. So... When I went down south for this trip to Florida with Allison and her family, I wanted to do grits like the way they were meant to be. So I tried them at Waffle House and very, very much liked them. Uh, They had a really great uh, texture to them. They were really flavorful. Um, I made the mistake of adding too much butter. There was already some butter in there, I guess, but I added too much um, and made them a little too watery. And even though they were delicious and flavorful and fatty, they were still too watery for my taste by that point. What I'll remind you, Brian, is that you actually have tasted grits before because on Valentine's Day when we went out to brunch, I ordered grits and you tasted them and you were like not really a fan. And I will say that even though Florida is not technically the South, the grits definitely improve when you're south of Pennsylvania. That I will stay behind. That is a hill I will die on. Please don't die on any hill, though. I I love you. It's a hill of grits. (laughs) I'm just like covered in them. Yeah, you're sinking quickly. (laughs) Just... Covered in grits. <laughs> Constant grits. Like, I will die here. So I, I I thought a lot about grits, and I thought about how to make the texture really, really good. Because, like, my, my when I was growing up, my brother loved a thing called farina, which is kind of like grits, but with wheat instead of corn. Uh, it's like a thick, cottage, cheesy kind of... Uh, like you eat it with a spoon. It's very watery. It's uh, thick, but still, you know, moist. There's... I love your brother, but he is a weird dude. That's weird. I, I didn't think it had much flavor. I wasn't a big fan of it, so I decided to um to think about what made grits grits. And I really, really appreciated uh the fact that down south they were so flavorful and sweet and uh like thick and juicy and like the meaty bits of uh corn were pleasurable. Like I was really concerned they'd be like, oh, grainy or something like that. But no, they were really good. And even on the keys, uh, every day we did a breakfast buffet and I had grits every single day. And that's not something I usually do. It was delicious. Uh, again, not technically the South, but definitely further South you go, like they're good. Um, so today in preparation for this, I decided to try uh, the All Things Barbecue, which is a YouTube channel and uh, store and company I really, really love, they have a YouTube video about how they make grits, and they went hard. It is a low and slow method, and I'm going to let uh, Chef Tom from All Things Barbecue explain. So we're using these grits from Anson Mills. This is a, a native corn. It's grown in the Carolinas. It's all organic. Uh, so this should be some really good stuff, but it's going to take us probably an hour or so to cook it. So what I've done here is just soak these grits for a while. You can do this overnight. I've just done it for a few hours today. But you get these covered with water and then you can kind of skim off some of the chaff and stuff from the top. And what soaking these does for us is it allows us to cook these a little bit quicker. I cooked these grits for a solid hour and a half in a cast iron skillet using... uh, 
at the very least, they weren't instant grits. They were still, you know, Quaker Oats, kind of store-bought, big-box grits. They weren't organic. They weren't yellow corn. They weren't grown in the Carolinas or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, cooking them low and slow was awesome. Like, oh, my God. I loved having... Uh, so, Brian, I know you, and I know what's coming. You're going to find a way to sous vide them, are you not? No, no, no. I'm not I'm not going to sous vide any grits because I was considering, like, you know, would this be fun to sous vide? Would there be an interesting thing to do with this texture? No, no. It just cooks down however long. And every other thing I found says to cook grits in 15 or 20 minutes. And Like the movie? What? Oh, God, my cousin Vinny. He talks about how... You've seen that movie, right, Brian? What's, what's this over here? You never heard of grits? <laughs> sure. I heard of grits. I used to actually never seen a grit before. Yes, I... Uh, <laughs> a grit? In the entire grit-eating world, it takes 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But no, cooking grits for an hour and a half on a really, really, really low heat was awesome. And this is also an excellent application for my uh, electric kettle that is able to maintain temperature for up to five hours. I was able to keep hot water and keep adding it every 10 minutes or so to let it continue to like absorb more liquid and kind of tender up. And in this batch of grits I had, the corn granules were so tender and pronounced without being grainy. It was very weird, but very, very tasty, and I enjoyed it. Then again, what do I know about grits? <laughs> Can you describe the texture using non-grits words? Use, like, feelings words. I'll use hash brown words. Let me pull up the menu. Uh, they were chunked and smothered with flavor and moisture. Good description, hon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the uh, The thing about... Grits that uh, that I've figured out is that uh, almost none of the shortcut methods are any good, um, and, it, and so it's exactly what you're describing, Brian. It's that you got to take the time and do it. Um, I never make grits at home because I'm fortunate enough to keep living in southern locales where there are loads of places where I can go get really well made grits around me. So. Rather, I just basically outsource my grit preparation to any number of local greasy spoon uh, breakfast joints. Uh, but I'm intrigued by this uh, this low and slow method. I may have to uh, try that. And to your to your point, it's a it's potentially a use other than making tea for my my Cuisinart uh, electric kettle. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact that I don't have the ability to outsource my grits uh, because I'm up here in the north. I'm Tell me about your grits workflow, Brian. My new thing is to try to make things myself that usually you can't make unless you have very specific equipment or you have to make it in bulk. Like if you're a restaurant, uh, it makes sense for you to make a ton of brisket uh, the day of because, you know, you're going to be selling it a lot and you're going to be doing things like that. So my goal for my cooking experiences right now is to make things that usually take a lot of effort and a lot of very specific uh, ingredients or equipment or anything like that that you usually can't make yourself. And for me, that's grits because, A, you know, it, it is hard to make things at home. The only grits I could find at the grocery store today were instant grits. And it took me like 20 minutes to find the real grits, even though they were like right next to it. It was still impossible. They were like dug in the back. I even texted Micah Sargent and I was like, hey, I have a grits question. Uh, am I able to use instant grits for this low and slow method I want to try? He was like, no, don't do it. I was like, okay. So I kept looking. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know Micah was a grits, uh, a grits professional. He's talked about grits, hasn't he? I... No, I maybe. 
I thought so. I was listening to Defocus where they talked about him liking uh, grits. Well, anyway, you you asked him and he had the right answer. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is something that I cannot get up north. So it was something I really wanted to try to get as, if not authentic, at least like interesting and flavorful more so than instant grits, like instant oatmeal or anything like that. And it's like love, you know? Sometimes it happens like like a like searing a fish on on a stove, which is not breakfast, or it's low and slow. You know, Brian, I'm I'm just uh, thinking here. I've got a medium flat rate priority mailbox. I could probably line it with plastic <laughs> and uh, and and get a, a bulk order of grits from any number of places around here for just a couple bucks. It probably cost me more to ship it than it would to buy the grits. Oh my god! Oh my god! Cooked or uh, or uh, not? Oh, they'd be they'd already be cooked. I think they'd okay. You good. Know, I think it's a pretty resilient food. I think it would probably there's not a lot of growth medium for bacteria there. I don't think. <laughs> I think if as long as I seal, sealed it properly, it'd make its way to you as long as you heated it back up to to you know one sixty five or so. Uh, I'm sure you'd be fine. I had a bowl of grits just before we started because it took that long to finish cooking them, and honestly, it uh. My, the next stage of my experiment is to see how well they do after you know, sitting out for an hour. What's going to happen is they're going to kind of like jelly solidify to the pan. Yeah, but then I'll heat them up and add a little bit more water and they'll be fine. I hope. Dear God, I hope. I Okay, we'll have to have a have a follow up on that one. I'm, I'm not convinced. But I believe in you. Oh, thank you. Uh, Dan, could you talk more about the Waffle House waffle? Because even though it's in the name, most people tend to agree that Waffle House waffles are not the best where do you stand on that so i think it is it is not the best waffle you're gonna have i've had i've had plenty of waffles that uh uh that are that are superior uh heck we've we've made waffles here at home uh that are uh, that are tastier uh but really for me the the waffle at waffle house is really it's part of the experience and uh that's really what it all is about for me is you're not going there because you're getting the best version of most of the things on the menu. Uh, sometimes it's the best because literally nobody else serves it, <laughs> but uh, I, there's not a lot of places around here. I can go and get that, that Texas bacon cheesesteak that I like, but the, the waffle is, it, it's a good waffle. Uh, I don't know that I would even say that it's a great waffle, uh, but it's about the company you share that waffle with. And, uh, and frankly, the atmosphere of the, um, the server who uh, you know who brings it to you with a smile. The fact that you get to sit and watch it cooked. Uh, I honestly find Waffle House more entertaining uh, than any uh, teppanyaki uh, grill you know, restaurant, which people pay ab- absurd amounts of money to to get to get their uh, you know the the fire <laughs> volcano made of an onion uh, to singe their eyebrows off. You could go for you know a third of that price and sit at the high bar directly across from the grill at Waffle House and watch the show, not just for your own food, but for everybody in the whole dang place. Oh, 100%. I feel like on this show, we talk a lot about like, you know, clearly we, we, we talk about breakfast foods, but we also talk about what they mean for us. And we often, I think actually every time we mention a diner, we'll always say that like, you know, they're, like going to a diner is a sort of pilgrimage, at least like for me and Brian and like so many people that we end up talking to about this. Um, and I feel like the thing that is different between like the local diner from down the street and a place like Waffle House is that like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that you know that you can go to like 
any Waffle House, like, down the East Coast, and you already know what's on the menu. I, like, feel pretty strongly that, like, you're not going to get the same food in the way that you would, like, get the exact same Big Mac at any given, like, McDonald's or anything like that. But, like, having something that you know you can expect is, like, really comforting. And I know, like, if I ever moved to a new place and there was a Waffle House, like, kind of like the one where, you know, it was, like, a town over, like, from where I lived in Pennsylvania, I would, like, suddenly feel more at home there now that there was a Waffle House there. And I think that that's really important. 100%. Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of their broad appeal and why they have so many devoted fans. You have, uh, and especially among, you know, people like... uh, uh, folks that, you know, drive trucks and, uh, you know, you know, do long haul routes where they're going all over the place. They know that no matter what time they pull into a town and what, uh, you know, if they pull into a waffle house, they're going to get a consistent experience. Even if, uh, uh, you know, they're a thousand miles from the place they started that morning. And I think that's pretty beautiful, actually. Something you said earlier, Dan, uh, the fact I I did my Waffle House full media blackout before we went to our first (laughs) Waffle House in Florida. Todd would be proud. (laughs) I I budgeted like $20 to spend there because I was like, yeah, no, this is a fancy place. This is a splurge. This is a very special thing to do. I spent like $11 or something on like way more food than I probably should have gotten. It was so freaking cheap. Well, and you bought both of our food. This was one of the best things that happened is that like we were the only people in that Waffle House and we're going up to pay and like trying to split the bill. And it be- it became wildly apparent that it was just easier for one of us to just pay for it and for us to split it later. And Brian ended up grabbing it and the waitress like looked at me and she kind of smirked in this knowing way of like, I was going to make your man pay for your meal. And I was like, <laughs> oh, thank you. It was oh just God. like really sweet. I, I write poems about this one instance. Uh, I So Stephen Yale, friend of the show and friend of my life, um, <laughs> we both grew up together in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And in Hellertown, Pennsylvania, is the 15th most popular waffle house in the world, according to like some BuzzFeed list that's probably way out of date by now. Um, and we both went there one day when we were like home and we were both like working horrible, horrible retail jobs. Well, he was lifeguarding, but like we both hated our jobs and we just like had days off like somehow on the same day. And we went to this Waffle House and this waitress like came over to us and assumed that we were together. And so she was like telling us how we, how we shouldn't get married because like she really loved her husband before they got married and then like she didn't love him anymore when they got married. Oh my god. And I just like I think about this all the time. Like this woman just like telling us this like incredibly heartbreaking personal story and I was just like this is also what I want though. Like to know that even though, like, you're in a chain restaurant, like, the people that work there make it their own. Like, it's not just, like, you know, they're expected to, like, keep it, like, I, I don't know. I, I hate saying, like, McDonald's as a as an example, because I'm sure, like, you know, everyone's an individual. But I don't know. I just, I think that the, like, sassy waitresses are always always what I'm going to go to Waffle House for, especially. So uh, in the similar vein, Truge, I went to Denny's once and uh, I was supposed to meet my friend Ashley, who I talked about on our Midnight Breakfast episode, where uh, not not your sister, Ashley, my friend Ashley uh, from Pennsylvania, not your part of Pennsylvania, my local part of Pennsylvania. And <laughs> the, um, uh, we go to Denny's on Fridays a lot and uh, we make it a routine to uh, visit each other and update each other on life. And it's great. And I texted her when I was like, hey, Denny's tonight. Uh, and she said, yeah, sure. 
Uh, no, no, no. It was a weird wording text message. I was like, are you free tomorrow night? Or are you free tonight or tomorrow night? And she said, no, comma, yes, as in, like, responses to both. So I was like, uh, great, let's uh, let's do a Denny's then. She was like, perfect. So I drive out immediately to Denny's uh, at the time we met. And I was there for about a half hour or so. And uh, she never showed up. And the waiter was like, are you okay? Are you sure? He was like, yeah, I'll just have a coffee. I was like, okay, sure, sure. And uh, he, he served me coffee. And it was very, very sweet. And it was cool. And I was hanging out, having some coffee. And then I realized, oh, no, I didn't say, are you free? I said, are you busy? Which meant she's busy tonight and free tomorrow. She's not coming. Oh, crap. I screwed up. And I realized, oh, wait. Well, now I just have to go. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll have just have the check, please. Uh, after about an hour of waiting. Uh, <laughs> and the waiter was like, it's cool, dude. It's cool. Just just go. Just go. Like, he thought I got stood up by a date. And I was like, oh, no. No, it's fine. So I haven't been to that Denny's since. Uh, I'm really nervous <laughs> to show my face there again. <laughs> But we will see. If someone had the audacity to stand me up at a diner, I don't know what I would do. I literally don't know what I would do. Diner employees are the sweetest freaking people. That is the moral of our stories. Yes, for sure. Diners in general, Waffle House, for sure. Um, if you're an introvert, you, you at a Waffle House, you're going to want to sit in a booth. Probably over by the windows. Because if you're anywhere near the the low bar, high bar, main uh, action part of the the restaurant, you're gonna become part of the 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 floor show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's interesting because like Brian and I, Brian is an introvert and I'm an extrovert. But when we're like at restaurants, we both like somehow switch, and then I'm the introvert and Brian's the extrovert. Do you find that to be true, Brian? I need a lot of prep to not be an introvert. So yeah, that makes sense. Like if I'm preparing to go out to a diner, I'm prepared to like interact with people and be like, hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for doing your thing. Here's a tip. Like things like that I'm preparing for mentally. And like, yeah, I guess that it, it makes me less of an introvert when I'm out there with a purpose, like to go buy something or go to a diner or something like that. Whereas for me, I just end up like seeing that like I exist in a body outside of like my own like sphere of influence and i just go why are you looking at me don't look at me uh, i really think the that part of that community atmosphere is is one of the things that draws me back over and over again to waffle house i know i know what i'm going to get and not just in the food uh not just in the service but that there's usually somebody's there and maybe they're going through something uh maybe maybe they're celebrating something there's always somebody it seems when I go who they, they want to chat uh, with somebody and it's almost like they've gone there because they know if they go to Waffle House, there's going to be some other people there uh, who can who can either, you know, commiserate or uh, share, you know, whatever glorious thing has happened to them. Um, but it's it's always entertaining um, and not that I'm entertained by other people's misery. And when that's the <laughs> case, but, uh, sure. uh, you know, that's uh it adds to my experience. And so that's that's why I always sit at the high bar. I want to be right dead center in the middle of all of it. Sometimes it's one of the servers that's having some drama. Uh, sometimes it's a patron. Uh, you never know. You don't want to miss it, though. That's what I know. Waffle Being at a Waffle House makes me feel like I'm in a Tom Waits song. Like, 
not one of the scary ones like Frank's like 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 Frank's wild years not like the album but like that song where he's talking about like Frank I don't know that's always what it reminds me of it's a good feeling I've never had more of that Twin Peaks kind of community experience where there's like a small town people know each other people talk in public people aren't always listening to podcasts in public I've never felt more like that than when I was in that Waffle House with you and yeah there wasn't many people in there but it felt so real and we don't have that in New England kid like no don't talk to me. That was a really bad accent. I'm not from here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Waffle House is one of those places where uh, you, my recommendation for those who have not been, uh, if you're the kind of person who has a lot of requirements when you go to a restaurant, uh, you you need a lot of alterations made to uh, to standard menu items. Uh, you know, while, while I talked about how everything's modular at Waffle House, that's fine. But what you don't want to do, this is not the kind of place where you go and you say, uh, yeah, can I get that? But uh, hang on, is there and you know, is, is there meat in that? Well, it's Waffle House. There's meat in almost everything. Uh, you, you, they'd put it in the waffle if you ask them to. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those places where you, I feel like you go and you get kind of that 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 uh, kind of real world uh, atmosphere where somebody comes in and starts requesting, you know, uh, can I get that on the side and can I, can I get this? And they've got all these requirements. Uh, that's when as a patron, you can kind of, you're going to get that like shared moment of eye contact with the server who's taking that order at the next table. And you, you get to have that moment of like, this person's ridiculous. We all know it. Uh, you know, clearly they didn't know what they, they, they came to the wrong place. <laughs> Honestly, don't subtweet me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, uh, outside of the Rogers Waffle House, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, yeah, that's uh, you definitely won't find me there these days since I uh, live in uh, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. But uh, <laughs> I will say if you're on the north side of Nashville and you and, and you want to uh, hit me up to go grab uh, uh, some of that Waffle House coffee and, uh, uh, and, so, and some chili, uh, you can find me on Twitter at N-E-R-D-D-O-T-I-S. Uh, I would, you know, as Brian pronounced it, it's nerd.is just like the website. Uh, I've got a couple of podcasts there. Oh, I get, I thought it was like nerd, nerd, nerdopolis, nerdotis or something. So it's nerd.is. Every time that I see it, even though I know it's pronounced nerd.is, I always think to myself, nerdotis. Yeah, that's how I pronounce it too. I didn't realize it was nerd.is. I love that. Yeah. My grandmother uh, says nerdosis because she can't, I think, read it properly. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard, heard them all. But uh, at this point, I've changed my Twitter handle too many times, and I'm stubborn, so I'm, I'm keeping it. But, uh, but yeah, the, the Random Serling podcast is there. I also do a different show with my daughter and another different show with my wife. Uh, those are both uh, uh, there, as well as a blog I don't write very often. And... Uh, and uh, as as recently shouted out uh, uh, on the TV Talk Machine podcast, I do have a blog that I maintain where I'm going through each episode of The Americans and documenting all of the un- uh, amazing disguises uh, of the two lead characters in The Americans with uh, proper screenshots. <laughs> there are definitely some good ones on there, Trude. You should check it out. Do you talk about eyebrows? It's mostly it's uh, that's you can get directly to that at spywigs.com. Yes. Because there's lots of glorious wigs and uh, there's many terrible fake mustaches and uh, and all that. But uh, yeah, those those are all places where, where I am. All of that's going to be in the show notes. Believe me, you want to check this guy's stuff out. 
<laughs> you can really just go to nerd.is and it all just, I'm too cheap to pay for multiple Squarespace accounts. So everything is a subdomain of the, uh, of the main <laughs> Squarespace account. <laughs> and basically, uh, Brian and I are going to be in Nashville in about five minutes. Um, so we'll meet you at the closest Waffle House. always wanted to go to Nashville simply because Third Man Records, Jack White's record label is there. And boy, have I wanted to visit there. You know, you could go there and you could uh, record a, a live episode or you know, live to record episode of this podcast and they will press it on. It's one of the only places I think in the world where you can where they have a recording booth that presses to an actual uh, uh, vinyl at this point. Well, it's a good thing that we'll be there in literally five minutes because we're literally almost there. I remember when that happened because I followed Jack White really closely for a long time and I really, really, really love all the weird stuff they do there. Like I, one of my favorite records I have is a uh, Stephen Colbert. No, no, not Stephen Colbert. Um, well, he has one too, but I have a Conan LP from when he was between shows and just about to start at TBS. He uh, he went on tour with like a country band, and it's so cool and surprisingly funny. And also, fun fact: Serenity Caldwell, friend of the internet, has one of those records that she went and pressed uh, herself, which is amazing. Oh, that's so cool! Oh yeah, she was here for uh, there was a uh, conference. I think she was in town for last year or something like that. Well, that's cool. I want to do that in my life. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's go down there. Let's have Waffle House. Let's meet Jack White because he'll totally be there, totally, and uh, hang out with Dan. Not necessarily in that order. We're going to hang out with Dan first. We'll we'll be there in five minutes. Well, I'm uh, I'm sitting in the guest room recording right now, so I'll just clean it up a little bit. It'll be ready for you uh, when 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 you all pull in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which should be in about uh, now. Look under your seats. It's us. <laughs> ah! You've got Truge and Brian. You get a Truge. You get a Truge. Everybody gets a Truge. <laughs> At your local Waffle House. <laughs>